QZM has now 175 customers paying on average 600 bucks a month. So call it 105 grand in terms of monthly revenue up from about 35 grand a year ago. So healthy growth and their cash flow positive, which is nice. 1.5 million bucks raised, eight people between Boston and Europe, less than 5% revenue churn per year right now. Net revenue retention above 100%. Other economics too early as Brennan looks and decides how he's going to dial up and try and scale. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Brendan Sieco. He is the founder and CEO of a company called QZM, a platform that helps museums and cultural organizations engage their visitors, members, and patrons. He has building, he's been building technology since the age of 11, has been recognized by Inc. Magazine as, as being one of America's top entrepreneurs under 30. He's been featured in the New York Times, Wired, Fast Company, Entrepreneur, and many other outlets for his work in design, technology, and business. Brendan, are you ready to take us to the top? Let's do it. Thanks right. for having me. You bet. Okay, QZM. I mean, were you like working in a museum, totally frustrated, quit the $10 an hour job and said, I'm going to strike out on my own? Like, how'd you get the idea? Yeah, so I started in the field of technology from a really young age and uh, had the unique opportunity to work with a cultural institution in New York City, which was kind of unlike what we did at my agency. We were working with Mick Jagger and Katy Perry and Slash and all of these big uh, music and entertainment brands. But this inquiry hit at the perfect time and place. My personal interests were really starting to leap into the world of art and culture and design. And so for me, it really uh, looked like an opportunity to help an organization see what this world was about and also kind of fill a, a desire that I had. And I just quickly saw how painful and frustrating all of the technology that they had at their disposal was. And I was like, hmm, there must be an opportunity here to uh, to help out. Interesting. And is your business model pure play SaaS? Yes. Okay. So what what are they what's an average kind of museum or, or or folks pay you on average per month or per year to use the tech? So we were really we were really keen on making our technology platform accessible to museums large and small. So we have plans that are in the hundreds per month as well as the thousands per month. So as you can imagine, you have your your MoMAs of the world and your Mets of the world. They're gonna be on that higher mark, and then you have those small regional uh, organization. Give me a sweet uh, spot though, Brendan. Are we talking like maybe 400, 500 bucks a month is a sweet spot for you? Uh, average might be in the, you know, yeah, five, six, $700. Okay. And I'm a, so I'm a small museum in Austin, Texas. I'm signing up for you paying 600 bucks a month. What do I get for that? Paint a picture for me. Yeah. Uh, so we have a, a suite of tools. Uh, the first product that we launched with is a digital tour guide. So kind of think of those clunky old audio guides that have been around for several decades. We have a software package that enables them to have a digital docent or tour guide that lives on a mobile device, whether it be a downloadable app um, or something through browser. And that can really allow the visitor to tap into content, uh, guide the, their way around the museum make a donation, become a member, uh, things of that nature. So that is kind of the basic mobile engagement uh, toolkit, but we also have digital membership solutions as well. Those are our two products today. Interesting. Okay, and put this on a timeline for us. When did you launch? So we started the company formally in August of 2014. Okay, 2014. And then over the past, I guess what's it, it's been four years, how many of these folks have you scaled to? Hundreds, hundreds. Okay. So when we started the company, I'd say in 2014, that was really raising funds and how much uh, have you raised today? So we raised about uh, one and a half million dollars. Uh, we're backed by TechStars. We're backed by Founder Group and Accomplice. The first check uh, into the company, which was kind of the catalyst for starting in the first place, was from 
the founder uh, and co-founder of Kayak, Paul English, which really gave us the first vote of confidence that we had something uh, to bring to market. In uh, 2015, we were really honing in on what it is we were going to build, and we had maybe three or four pilot customers. And then over the summer of 2015, being at Techstars, we took that from you know the three three to four up to 30, and uh, have grown to uh, over 175 paying customers to date. That's great. And I mean, we can kind of do backwards math, right? 175 paying 600 bucks a month. You're somewhere around 100 grand a month right now in revenue. Yeah, some, somewhere in that area. And what does growth look like? So exactly a year ago, what were you doing per month? Uh, so we've been we've been uh, doubling and tripling uh, year over year. So it's going to depend on you know which year we've introduced a uh, we've introduced a second product, which has definitely um, you know aided our growth numbers. Um, so we're doing maybe three x what we did last. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah. Okay, I mean, so if you, so maybe around thirty-five grand a month, something like that, exactly a year ago. Some somewhere in the ballpark. Yeah, that, that's healthy growth. And has most? I mean, you just mentioned new products. So has most of that growth come from upselling the new product lines or adding new right folks altogether, new customers altogether? It, it's been a mix of both. I mean, one of the clear challenges in the space that we serve is the long sales cycle. Um, so I myself, you know, coming from music and entertainment, we were able to, you know, a week after the first meeting, have a signed contract ready to go move forward on a project. Um, we're dealing uh, in a space of, you know, nonprofit organizations that have long sales cycles, you know, over a year from first touch point on to getting things going. So that's definitely informed how we build our product, how we deploy capital and how we look at growth. Uh, so a lot of our growth you know, to date has been, yes, of course, adding that second product, uh, adding new features that we can upsell uh, into our existing customer base, but certainly understanding the sales cycle and being able to add on resources where necessary. So for the beginning of our company's, you know, story, we've only really had one core focused full-time salesperson and about how, six months ago. How many people another, total? Eight people total. Eight people on the team. And so now two are sales. Uh, yes. Today, two are sales. And is everyone in Boston? Uh, so we have part of our team, our product development team in Europe. And then here in Boston is kind of the, the front end of the company. So sales and marketing and operations. Okay. Very cool. Talk to me about some other kind of critical elements of a SaaS company. So what does your churn look like today? Uh, so that's probably the justifier to having such a long sales cycle is once you are able to secure a relationship within the space that we serve, you have a relatively low churn. So it's not like the $10 a month high growth, but high churn type of, you know, space. These are larger, con you know, uh, you know, longer term contracts, uh, multi-year contracts. And once people have allocated budget to, you know, utilize one of the uh one of the products that we uh, serve, uh, relatively low churn, lower than, you know, industry. So, 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 I mean, are we talking like less than 5% revenue churn per year? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very cool. And, and do you have meaningful expansion that makes up for the 5% you lose from the same cohort? We've also found opportunities to move, uh, you know, move customers to other offerings uh, rather than full churn when, you know, when, you know, budgets are, are reduced or needs change. Uh, but yeah, our growth has more than, you know, accommodated any of that profit loss that takes place from the small amounts of churn. So, so that would mean your net revenue retention is over 100% per year? 
Yeah. That's, that's healthy. That's great. And then walk me, you know, the first few customers are always the hardest. I mean, do you remember, can you tell us the story of how you landed that first customer? Yeah. So I think it's not unlike a lot of entrepreneurs where through, you know, warm introductions of people who champion you from the, you know, the ugly duckling phase that takes place, you're able to really sell the vision and the idea of the type of um, experience you want to create in a space or the problem that you're solving. Uh, where we were able to launch some small-scale pilots to prove out the technology, gain some early, uh, you know, product feedback and just overall, um, you know, process feedback. And uh, that, you know, kind of looking at the first six to 12 months of the company really informed what mattered, what didn't, what we needed to build, what we could, you know, push to later. Brendan, dial in for me on the first customer. Who was the first customer and specifically how did you land them? Yeah, yeah. So the so the first customer was uh, an organization called the Boston Athenaeum. They're one of the oldest cultural institutions in the United States, if not North America, as well as the MIT List Visual Arts Center, uh, which is the art museum for uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And so those were for you know those came from. Uh, kind of warm introductions, uh, people in the community that are like, hey, this is a really interesting idea. Um, and those are also, you know, part of the customer development phase where we were reaching out to organizations kind of in our city uh, to see if we could learn a little bit more about what the needs are, how technology could play a role in solving them. So those were the, the first two. So those are your first two. You're at 170 today. Do you have better insights now into what you're willing to spend on your fully weighted CAC to get a new $600 a month customer? Uh, those are things that we're, you know, kind of dialing into right now. So we've been playing kind of the traction game where traction cures everything. And it's a huge goal for us in Q1 to understand the the metrics like a true SaaS company. Would. What pay channels are you testing? Um, so most of our acquisition channels have been uh, cold outreach sales. We've done very, very little with regards to uh, social media marketing or traditional marketing avenues. Um, so this year, you know, even testing out if, uh, you know, advertising and lead generation through channels like, you know, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and other sources makes sense because today it's been all about the, you know, it's been all about the emails and the calls and the conferences, uh, which are somewhat different than something that maybe, you know, uh, a visitor can click a link, sign up, and then they're off to the races. Sure. Yep. And I assume, you know, you raise capital, you're looking to scale. Are you, are you burning capital today still, or are you operating a break even? Uh, we've been, we've been cash flow positive for about a year. So oh, we've been in a really good place because we've been very, uh, lean about how we deploy capital. Uh, again, kind of going back to the pace of the industry that we work with, we wanted to be cognizant of what it takes to build a sustainable company. And, you know, realistically for a lot of these spaces, if you're selling to, let's say, nonprofits or higher ed or organizations that have been around for 100 plus years, they want to see that the company has been around for two, three years before they're willing to even jump in and play. Um, so for us, it's been really important to stay lean in those first couple of years, prove out the model. And now for the upcoming year, 2019, we want to deploy more capital, you know, uh, and, and add more resources. So are you raising additional capital right now? Uh, no, 
No, not not at all. So we're we're healthy financially speaking, and we're able to fund our growth based on the the growth and revenue that we have. The one point five. I mean, you have you mentioned TechStars. There's traditional VCs in there. I mean, those once you're either you have nothing raised, right, and you have total freedom, or there's capital in, and you're on a timeline. I mean, once you raise any venture, there's an implied timeline there, right? So, like, I mean, how do you how do you continue to drive aggressive growth if if you're only able to reinvest profits you've got coming in on hundred grand in, in top line revenue. Yeah. Um, so the kind of the circumstance we have with our investors has been really flexible around that area. So if we raise the series a, it'd be a completely different story, but we are still, you know, going off of what we raised in our seed phase and able to re you know, reinvest profits in our growth. Um, so, you know, those are, those are things that we're exploring right now is do we want to raise a series A and kind of lock in for a 10x long-term big growth uh, strategy or, you know, where do things look? Where's the sweet spot? Or take the so WISTI approach, go, go raise some debt and buy out the investors. That was really interesting to read there, you know, them being a Boston area company. Do you talk super, to Chris? Uh, no, no. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot of companies that are starting to do this. It's becoming very popular. Um, let's wrap up here, Brendan, with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Favorite business book would be Traction by Gina Wickman. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, no, not off the top of my head. I mean, I'm really inspired by the peer group of CEOs that I have through Techstars Boston. So being able to be down in the ditches and sharing war stories every six weeks has been really important and really valuable to me as a, as a leader and as a CEO. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building the company? Sorry, what was the question? Favorite online tool for building your company? Favorite online tool for building my company? Um, I've been a really big fan of Yesware for you know sales automation. I've been a really big fan of Base as our CRM. You're very loyal, uh, Yesware. Another another Boston-based company. Matthew Bellos okay, has been on the show a couple of times. Yeah, he's amazing. He's very, amazing. Very good. Number four. How many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, my wife and I just had our first child. So, uh, our daughter's been definitely keeping me up and forcing me to become more efficient with my time. So I'd say I'm a polyphasic, uh, sleeper. Uh, so less and less hours, uh, how many sleep, do you get right uh, now per day? What was that? How many hours per day right now? Maybe five. Okay. That's good. And, uh, how old are you? I am 30 years old. 30. Last question. Uh, take us back to your 20 year old self. What do you wish you knew? Uh, I wish at the age of 20, I knew just how important it would be to be in a major metropolitan area. So I was still living in uh, Western Massachusetts, outside of Boston, outside of New York. And had I plunged into the into the ecosystem, you know, that is so resource rich, has capital flowing and people willing to help. I think I'd be at a very different place uh, than I am today. So I you know, have to under, underscore how important it is to be in a really, uh, you know, supportive ecosystem. Guys, there you have it. Helping cultural tourist attractions like museums run more efficient operations. Qzium has now 175 customers paying on average 600 bucks a month. So called 105 grand in terms of monthly revenue up from about 35 grand a year ago. So healthy growth and their cash flow positive, which is nice. 1.5 million bucks raised, eight people between Boston and Europe, less than 5% revenue churn per year right now. Net revenue retention above 100%. Other economics too early as Brendan looks and decides how he's going to dial up and try and scale. Brendan, thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks for having me, Nathan.